Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. It is the first Monday of the month, Patreon request week here at the Metal Exchange. We go back to 1987. We do some uh, solo stuff from the King, King Diamond, and his Abigail album from June 15th, 1987. But before we get there, Chris, my friend, how are you? I'm good. Uh, this was um, really interesting because I, like I'd mentioned last week, I really didn't know anything from this album. So this was uh, quite the learning experience for me. I actually dug into the the story and all of it because um, I wanted to be, you know, uh, prepared. So um, yeah, this is uh, this is cool. This was a request from actually two different um members of the Patreon, both uh, Keith and Charles. So uh, uh, I had said I thought this would make for a good October uh, episode since it's, uh, especially now that I know the story, I'm, I'm, I'm really <laughs> thinking we chose the right time of year to, uh, to, to talk about this. But uh, yeah, this uh, should be good. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely, uh, definitely timely. I was happy to see that multiple people had requested it. And obviously... Um, held by many as an all-time classic and certainly one of the great concept albums um, in the genre, if you will. So uh, before we get there, any anything catch your ear this week that uh, was either different or out of the ordinary or anything that uh, you particularly enjoyed? Uh, just a couple of singles that got dropped. Uh, Secret Sphere has another single from their next album, and it's the title track, Black and Heartbeat. Uh, Serenity as well has a single uh, Reflections of AD, kind of a, a long one. This was like an eight-minute tune. Um, and uh, just today, Within Temptation has dropped uh, yet another single from their upcoming album. Um, most of this album is available, even though the album is not out yet, because uh, this has been songs have been released in drips and drabs over the last like two years. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing it all kind of together but uh i haven't heard the new within temptation single but the serenity and the secret sphere singles are quite good and um there's there's just uh, i'm starting to just notice there's a lot of uh a lot of albums uh, yet to come out this year uh during the last three months of the year yeah um i would say of particular interest to me was that secret sphere single when i listen to them now with ramon back in the fold um I can't help but just think back to those early Secret Sphere albums, which were just great melodic power metal. Um, they kind of went in a different direction when when uh, Michelle Lupi was on vocals, and obviously, big fan of his vocals. But I think that I, I, I think I prefer the old sound more than I did to um, the kind of music they were doing with Lupi. So this is a callback in many ways, a really good tune. I thought the Serenity song was all right. I didn't think it was the greatest song, but I think that in the context of the album, I will probably enjoy it more. Um, interesting choice for a single, to say the least. And I, too, have not heard the Within Temptation, although I have a feeling that, you know, having heard basically the rest of the album at this point, uh, I have an idea as to what to expect. Yeah, um, I got an email from the, the band's mailing list today, and... Um... It was the the what they the 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 way they described this song. I kind of have to pull it up because I thought it was I thought it was kind of weird that they called it like the the band's most stuck. Uh, oh, the kinkiest song we've ever written. Huh. Uh, that was that was from the band themselves. 
I uh, based on that title, I'm surprised you didn't run and go check out the video right away. To be honest with you, well, I don't know about the video. I just downloaded oh. the song. Um, I don't know how how kinky a song could be. Um, I didn't even think of that. That maybe there's a uh, a video. It just says "Ritual" is one of the kinkiest songs we've ever written, and is inspired by "From Dusk Till Dawn," a movie by Quentin Tarantino about a road trip turning into a vampire slum- slayer party. I thought that, I was about to say slumber party, vampire slayer maybe party. Both. <laughs> maybe both um definitely will be interesting um a band that i just love 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 some of the older stuff and they've you know i can appreciate the newer stuff for what it is but uh kind of fallen a little bit off the wagon if you will but i'm hoping that when i hear the new album in its entirety um it'll kind of pop for me a bit but to your earlier point there's a lot of stuff yet to come out this year which i feel like um some real potential with stuff like Angra and obviously the Serenity, which you mentioned, um, amongst others. It's going to be a really, uh, it's going to be a race to the finish line, I think, in 2023, just because there's some heavy hitters left and some other, you know, newer bands like Scardust who are, who are still do, I think, for their album and stuff. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting end to the year. Yeah, a lot of excitement, it sounds like, for the new, uh, Theocracy album as well. So, um, yeah, still a lot sure. to look forward to. I feel like, um, I think I feel like the third quarter of the year was kind of the slowest, at least as far as like stuff that I was really interested in listening to. I probably listened to the least amount of new albums in quarter three versus the first, you know, two. Um, I have a feeling that the quarter four is going to probably make up for that. So, uh, yeah, I still, have a, I still have a couple of albums left from quarter three I haven't listened to yet, including. The new uh, Mercenary and and so in and and um, some other albums I wanted to check out. So um, I'm sure I'll get to it eventually. Just uh, this week, I really just kind of focused on uh, uh, King Diamond and 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 some of the stuff that um, we have planned the rest of the month. That some of which you know about and some of which you don't. So uh, nice getting getting myself pumped up for that. Just been doing mostly podcast listening um i'm gonna have to get back into my uh catching up mode um maybe next week this episode is brought to you by paramount plus get in loser mean girls is now streaming on paramount plus join katie heron as she meets the plastics and tina fey's new twist on the modern classic get ready for more of the rumors backstabbing and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises rated pg-13 wear pink and head to paramountplus.com to try it free it's funny because I remember um, towards like the middle of the year, I think we were both raving about what a great year it was for music. But I think quarter three, by and large, was a slow quarter. There's a couple albums, that, and you mentioned to some of them, obviously, the Sewn being one of them, the Mercenary being another. But I feel like overall, not the best quarter for music. Uh, I thought the first two quarters were stronger. I thought it was just more consistent releases each week. Um, but we're starting to pick up steam. And I heard a really interesting album this week. Um, I had never heard of this band. And a friend of mine, I I had heard the album, I listened to it. And then a friend of mine said, oh my God, this is the second coming of blank. And I I, I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, my God, he's absolutely right. There's a band out of Italy called Apostolica. And I'm sure I'm butchering the name. But they came out with an album called Anime Heretica. And... This is the second coming of Power Wolf. It's like a poor man's Power Wolf out of Italy. Not my favorite thing in the world. Uh, again, I think that my my now my new love of Power Wolf has has 
you know, transcended anything that this band could possibly do. But nonetheless, if you like Power Wolf, you got to check these guys out. I'll make a point of posting a song this week just because it was such um, Power Wolf worship, but done fairly, you know, fairly well. So kudos to them. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. And uh, but to your point, I, I, I think I spent. God, I, I listened to Abigail probably more than any other album that then that we've covered in a long, long time. Um, and it was a really interesting journey for me because um, I had heard the album before. It's not like I had never heard this album. I've, I've listened to this album, but I had never really paid attention to it like I did this week. And despite that, the first four or five listens, I didn't know what to make of it. And it, I, I was like, I, I just don't know how I'm going to be able to talk about this album for an hour or whatever, we, whatever we go on, you know, and, and talk about this thing. It took, like I said, five listens or so. And then finally I started to make, make sense of it and let alone the story, right? I'm just talking about the music. Um, and it's not that complex. It's not like this progressive thing that's all over the place. It was just hard to digest until all of a sudden it finally hit me, you know, middle of the week. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're going to get to talk about it. This is Again, considered by many an all-time classic, and even I think Merciful Fate fans would say that this is probably King Diamond's finest work. You know, hands down. I don't think that I'm I'm stretching it by by saying that. I'm sure, obviously, some people might have a difference of opinion, but a lot of people hold this album in extremely high regard. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you would say that you had heard other King Diamond songs that were just not on this particular album. Correct. Um, the the songs that I knew were on the the album that came out the following year. Uh, them, um, so I had heard of this album, and then again, that might have just been because a number of people requested it on the podcast. But um, I can't say any of the songs really f- sounded that familiar to me. So, um, yeah, uh, I had I had mistakenly said that I had known two songs from this album last week, but it does it turns out it was uh, "Welcome Home" and "The Invisible Guests," which both were on the the Them album, which also has this uh, spooky artwork, much like the Abigail uh, artwork as as well. So, um, yeah, this this was pretty much start to finish a, a, a brand new uh, experience for me, and I was kind of in the same boat you were, where the first. Uh, first few listens, like it, I didn't dislike it at all. It just was, um, I, I guess I like that you said it best. Like I really didn't know what to make of it, and it's not really super long. Like I was actually a little bit surprised at how quickly um, it went through. But um, I feel like after re- like reading the story, and then um, I read I read the plot um, synopsis that was on Wikipedia, and then went back and actually read the lyrics. Um, and I think that that kind of tied it all together. Um, and I think it adds to the experience that there's this really uh, dark and, and I don't know, I, I, if you've ever watched the show American Horror Story, this story feels like it was like they could have made a whole season of American Horror Story uh, just based on the plot of this album. It's really, um, really like just horror like a horror story it's uh it's really cool and i think that the music really lends to the the story yeah i think that's very well said um i i think it was um i i mean not not only is it obviously a one of the first like heavy metal concept albums but i think other people have said it's like the first horror 
album. And I think there's something to be said for that, right? Like it's painting this picture. It's uh, obviously, you know, kind of science fiction-y, like, you know, fantasy based because, you know, ghosts and, and, and stuff like that. I won't, I won't go through the entire plot just because I think that that would take too long. But in short, you know, it's, 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 it's a story. It's obviously fiction and it's based on um, this, you know, I guess we'll say couple that kind of moves into this mansion and everything that follows it. I guess that would be like the shortest, uh, shortest way I could describe it, but it's really interesting. And um, what I would also say is, you know, I think that if you don't, you know, I think the synopsis helped because when I read through the lyrics the first time, I really couldn't put all the pieces together. But I think that the lyrics in conjunction with basically King Diamond's synopsis, which is, you know, kind of all over the internet, then then all of a sudden it started to make a lot more sense to me. Yeah, the lyrics are almost like, uh, rather than being kind of cryptic, are really just kind of like telling a story. It's very storytelling type, um, almost just like very direct lyricism where it's just like i'm gonna sing basically this the story to you and uh you know I'll, I'll as we go track to track i'll kind of just briefly talk about what where it you know ties into the the plot of the story because it's not a really a super long uh plot um it, it, it's very interesting and and uh really just very creepy and i think that again it's really when you know what the singing is about it really adds to kind of the the dark and, 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 and kind of uh, creepy nature of, of it all. And, and um, it, it's King Diamond's vocals are, are just so wildly different from the lower register to those falsetto screams that he does. And, um, you know, I know um, our mutual friend, Justin, um, he, he basically texted me and said, I may have to sit this one out because um I just could never get into his vocals like I just and I I can totally understand why like that would be something that somebody wouldn't gravitate towards you know I think we've talked about the same thing in terms of like uh it, you know when we talked about Rush you know Getty Lee's vocals I think there were just some people that heard it and were like I'm out like that this is just <laughs> going to be for me and and I could I don't know. I think I might have felt that way the first time I heard King Diamond because it just sounds so over the top. But I think once you kind of get used to it, um, I don't know. It doesn't really bother me. I think it's um, it's almost so why it's so out there that it becomes its own kind of unique thing because not really very many other singers kind of do that kind of st- the way he does, in my opinion. No, it's um, it's. I mean, his range is just unbelievable from the lows to the highs it's unlike anything i think that you know you that one would ever hear it's just it's just that unique and i think that that's part of the allure right the fact that he can go in and out of the highs and the lows seamlessly which is just you know incredible because normally there's got there's usually some i mean there's no continuity it's just all over the place but in like a beautiful way so kudos to him for that um i want to read one of our Patreons, uh, Charles, who had this to say, because I think he sums up his opinion very nicely. 
and kind of sets the stage for our discussion. He says, quote, Abigail is my favorite concept album of all time. It's brilliant from start to finish. From King Diamond's Wicked Story to the musicianship to the production, it's just a great album. The album had a big impact on myself and the rest of the Long Beach, Long Island metal crew. We would listen to it for hours at a time on the weekends before heading out to a show or just hanging out. I saw King live on the Abigail tour six times. It was awesome. And to this day, I can listen to the album all day. King has released many great concept albums in his career, but Abigail is the crown jewel in his discography. In my opinion, this is a mandatory metal release. If I had to pick up the song of the week, I would change it to songs of the week. It's because the whole album is awesome from start to finish. So obviously high praise from, from Charles, uh, but he's not alone because I think that, you know, like other people have basically said, uh, you know, like uh, there's a review on all music uh, by the guy, the guy's name is Eduardo uh, Rivadavia. And he goes widely recognized as King Diamond's solo masterpiece. It is also unquestionably, one of heavy metal's greatest concept albums. Um, and then Martin Popoff, the uh, renowned journalist, said metallic excellence. So, like, you know, high praise all around. I, I don't know that my score is going to be commensurate with all of these opinions because I like the album, but I don't think it's it's not a 10, not in my eyes, but I can certainly appreciate why people do love it because there were elements of it that I thought were phenomenal. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Um, I'll I'll throw in um, you know our uh, our friend Keith's comments as well because he was the other one who requested this album and he uh, he said I chose this album because conceptually it fits right into the heavy metal slash Halloween vibe featuring King's iconic and operatic falsetto voice, a dark spooky mansion, a demon child, a ghost, death, stakes, and numerology seven seven seventy seven. One could argue King's voice is almost so bad it's good, but it's also quite hypnotic, and thus it's great at telling its story, not to mention he is one of the most influential frontmen in the history of the genre. Fun fact, in the Super NES game Final Fight, a stage boss is named Abigail and looks a lot like King Diamond. So Yes, I um, was going to mention that at the end, but he, he, he stole my thunder. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite games of all time, like bar none, and before I was familiar with the album, I was familiar with the game. And then I remember the first time I heard the album, I was wondering if there was a connection and I can totally see it. So it's uh, really, really good stuff. And like, now I feel like I have to go back and play Final Fight for the first time in a while. There you go. Um, I, uh, I, I We also um, should, uh, I guess, we po- tongue-in-cheek post the... Uh, Beavis and Butthead clip where they watch the Family Ghost music video and proceed to crap on it for uh, the the duration of the video. But um, I think you kind of have to take it tongue in cheek because Beavis and Butthead really didn't um, have positive things to say about almost any of the music videos that they watched. But it's good for a laugh, um, you know, if you don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, but um, I think if you could like write down the number of music videos that Beavis and Butthead praised in the nine plus years that the show was on the air, it, it's a pretty short list. So uh, I thought King Diamond might have made it onto the um, the Beavis and Butthead good list because they usually got pretty excited for any sort of like traditional heavy metal. But I think the uh, the vocals and probably the presentation kind of made it to the point where uh, they felt like it was um, more 
it was easier to make fun of it than to praise it. So. Well, if it's any consolation, King Diamond, I think, hated the video. Uh, the word I heard was loathed the video. <laughs> and it's just because the video is so ridiculous. Um, he goes, quote, I absolutely hate that video. And he lays the blame on uh, the record labor who hired a producer to, quote, took it upon himself to create a little circus. And then they finished the video and he's like, all right, if we ever do a video again, I'm going to dictate what goes into it. And it has to have to do, it has to do something with the lyrics because every time I see it or suddenly I walk by, my wife plays it on the computer or something. And he's like, Oh, just turn it off, man. I can't stand it. So not a fan of the video. Uh, I think King Beavis and Butthead all in the same camp on this one. Um, but it made me laugh when I, when I read that it's, uh, it's 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 the I'm I'm hoping it's your song of the week just so I can play the whole video because it's so absurd compared I mean like there's this concept <laughs> album with like this horror and then it's like a, literally a circus I mean you can't make it up please yeah. tell me it's your song of the week please uh, if not I may I have to change it I don't know I I don't know that I've actually chosen one yet this was another one of those albums where it was really hard because I really felt like I felt like this could have really been like just one 40 minute song that like that just changed you know a for little each bit part of, of the story yeah but like it it flows really nicely um and so i didn't find that anything was like distinctly better than anything else um so i'm probably just gonna wing it this time but um it, it really i think it, it all flows together really nicely and and into this kind of really tight little like 40 minute package yeah, and, and easy listen, to, to say the least. And like I said, I, I've listened to it probably more than any other album we've covered at this point just because it took me a while to kind of find my groove. But when I did, never once did I say, oh, my God, this thing drags on. It, it was the opposite of that. It actually went by fast. And sometimes when it was over after those first couple of listens, I was like, first, I'm like, that's it. And then second of all, I'm like, you know, I, I was trying to like – I guess I was like, not that I was wanting more per se, but I was like, I, I felt like there could have been more meat on the bone after those first few listens until I started to really appreciate what it was that I was listening to. But um, let me just kind of run down the lineup as we always do. Uh, King Diamond, obviously on vocals, but he obviously wrote the lyrics and he wrote the songs. Uh, Timmy Hansen, uh, no longer with us, but he played bass on this album. Andy LaRock on lead guitars, along with Michael Denner. And Mickey D on drums. And I think that um, obviously he's best probably known now for his work with the Scorpions. I think he's been with them for uh, about seven or eight years. Did you know that Mickey D uh, did the drumming for most of Halloween's Rabbit Don't Come Easy album where they were in between drummers? Uh, I believe they were in between Mark Cross and Stefan Schwartzman. Uh, Mark Cross had... I think he came down with mono or something like that. And he couldn't, he was, he had, I think he had, he had been in metallium previously. There's a name for you. And, um, he, uh, he had been asked to join Halloween after, uh, Uli and Roland left the band. And, um, he managed to record the drums for don't stop being crazy and listen to the flies and then had to drop out. Um, they brought in, um, Mickey D to do the rest of the album, um, which is kind of a cool little uh, fact. Um, I don't, 
think that he did any of the touring or anything, but um, he just he kind of was like a a fill in guy, and with his resume, I'm sure it probably was a no brainer. Yeah, I, I did know that, but I'm glad that you kind of outlined that because um, it's kind of like a little known Halloween nugget that I don't think everyone knows. So I'm I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, very good lineup, and I, I think that I would say that his drumming actually in certain spots on this album is really good, and I'll point out a couple of those when we get to it. Uh, but between that, the guitar work, and obviously the vocals, there's a lot you can chew on in each of these songs. And even though I felt that the pacing was somewhat similar throughout, you, each song did have a very distinct flavor to it, despite, you know, I think the speed or the tempo kind of remaining the same a little bit. Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, so let's get into it. And uh, we start with a minute and a half intro called Funeral, which I guess really sets the tone for what uh, for what this is. And before I had read anything about the album or the fact that it was given the horror, mon- horror metal uh, moniker, my initial thoughts from Jump Street and this album was that it sounds like it could have been the soundtrack for a horror movie, this particular song, with the like the haunting keys that could just kind of give you like the nightmares. Really, really interesting intro and sets the table for Arrival, which is an aptly named tune to kind of kick this thing off. Yeah, I was um I was surprised at um how how much like uh orchestrations and keys were used throughout the album and it starts out right at this at the beginning with this uh intro track. Um it, it kind of just starts out with um really kind of like a part of the story and it, it's um the uh one of the the um what do you call it? It's the uh, the Black Horseman is it, it? It almost actually like is like a fast forward to the end of the story at the beginning, and um, they're basically like this is how the story ends. It, and I, I guess I won't spoil it. I'll wait till the end. I, <laughs> I imagine if you're listening to this, you probably already know, but uh, I'll I'll get there. But th- that's the voice of one of the the horsemen, um, kind of eulogizing this uh this abigail character and then um then you get like this really creepy kind of keyboard like intro into the song arrival that um kind of is like the last 15 to 20 seconds of uh the track um and then you know arrival kicks in and this is really like the beginning of the story yeah very very well said and when this track does kick off immediately I, I think of those initial riffs and the bass lines kind of underneath those riffs. And I'm like, damn, this sounds good. And, you know, you mentioned how it has this big orchestration, this kind of like epic sound to it. Apparently they had a lot of difficulty mixing the album because it was recorded, you know, back before all those, you know, pro tools and all those other, you know, things that they use now to kind of make things a little bit easier for the, on the production side. Um, but mixing this thing was apparently really kind of difficult and so when they finally got it i think they were just so happy that everything sounded as good as it did and it does sound pretty good for an album from 1987 is it it flawless probably not but it sounds good i have to say like every instrument when it's time to shine they they make sure to focus on it and they do a great job and that's including the keyboards and the orchestration that's often behind it 
Uh, to compare it to an album that came out the same year, uh, I'll, I'll choose Manowar's Fighting the World. Ooh, um, yeah, which we spoke about in the archives. Yeah, the production on this, I think, really um, outshines that Manowar album by a noticeable uh, amount. Um, so that that's that was like really the first thing that kind of came to mind because I feel like Manowar was kind of one of those bands that suffered from kind of meh production until probably Kings of Metal was probably the first one that had decent production. And then it would get, it would go on to get better after that. But um, this, I I agree. I think this is a quite a a decent sounding overall uh, experience for, you know, an album that's coming on, you know, what? uh, 35 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Almost 35 years. So, uh, or 35, uh, 36 years would it be? Um, yeah, 36. Actually, it celebrated its 35th anniversary last year. So, uh, it's been a while. It's, 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 um, but it holds up. And, and as I was listening to Arrival, I actually thought of you because I thought the song in, in many ways had a bit of a power metal feel to it, just in terms of like the cadence and, and the guitar solos. Um, I, I actually figured that this could be your song of the week. Not, and I know you haven't chose, but there were elements of this song that reminded me of kind of, not so much German power metal, but like the American power metal bands. You know, um, you know, I, I, the names are, I guess, escaping me at the moment. But throughout time, there's been this, you know, almost like an iced earth or something like that. American power metal, and um, yeah, this this song was an interesting way to start it, and I can only imagine how good it would have been with the theatrics um, and, and the stage show, which I know was a big deal for King at the time. Uh, the bridge has such a nice contrast to the chorus, and that really stood out to me as well. Uh, all in all, a solid opener, and, and I think that, um, it certainly has that Halloween feel to it. So I think that we, you know, I'm happy that we chose to do it in October, because this certainly is, it lends itself to that. Absolutely. Uh, I, I thought this was a, a very good song as well. Not my song of the week, but very good. Um, it, it it kicks off the story uh, like you had mentioned before. It's about this young couple who um, the uh, the 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 man um, had inherited this mansion through this family, and him and his uh, wife are going to move into it. And seven horsemen of the night uh, show up and tell them, you know, that this is a cursed home, house. Don't don't move in. You'll regret it. Blah blah blah. And they. Um, move in anyway move in anyway which uh, they will come to rue uh spoiler alert uh <laughs> later on in the story uh well said well said and that brings us to family ghost which is kind of the second proper track if you will mansion and in darkness come oh i'm sorry mansion in darkness you're absolutely right I, I jumped ahead for a second this one is arguably even faster in many ways and the drums here also scream power metal and it's kind of I think in many ways, while Halloween kind of reached out to Mickey D because they know he could kind of play that style and the drums here are that, this particular song has Keeper One vibes on it to me in many ways, um, which came out the same year, ironically enough. So it, it's uh, not that one was an influence, but it was just both albums coming out at the same time and, and I could kind of hear it, especially in the drums. I, I am n- never... Um, I'm always fascinated by King Diamond and how he's able to go in and out of the vocals the way he does. And I think that this track was a perfect example of that. The verses are these fast, upbeat verses. And then the chorus has almost like a 
a little bit more of a deliberate sound to it, a touch slower. But this track is actually one of my favorites on the disc, and it's really because of that contrast between the verses and the choruses. Um, I, I could easily see, even though I thought Arrival was a possibility, I actually had this pegged as your song of the week. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, I love the way that the song just kicks off though, that, um, I don't know if it's like a twin guitar situation. Um, it, it sounds like two guitars to me. Yeah, it is. Um, it's two, it's two to get two guitars. Yeah. I really like that just is just tickles my power metal, bone, you know, funny bone or whatever we want to call it. Um, just a really cool way to kick things off. Um, yeah, I, this is uh, another really solid tune that um i liked i i felt like it was fairly similar to the previous song but i like this one just a smidge more because i just like that melody of that um that that opening guitar riff that kind of can you know will re- reappears throughout the uh the song um man i don't know i don't know if i want to i don't know if i want to make my song of the week i feel like it's still a little too soon um we're gonna keep keep going through here, um, but th- this continues on the um, the story of um, this is I guess really just more so the the beginning of them kind of uh, moving into the house and you know seeing the darkness and the the creepiness and probably realizing that nah, maybe this wasn't the uh, the best idea, but it kind of paints a picture of what this mansion is, is, is looks like or feels like in the story. And with today's real estate market, maybe, uh, maybe there's a buying opportunity if you're willing to put up with the ghost, because <laughs> you know how that goes. Um, but yeah, just, this just stay away from the staircases. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Um, and now we get to the family ghost and this one was, this was an interesting tune. And, and I'll say this, the way it starts actually reminds me not the, of the seven, but of the four horsemen or the mechanics by Megadeth. Just the way that it's kind of, the way it starts, it's like a sped up version of, of that song. And when the vocals kick in, just simply fantastic. But I, the problem here is that the rest of the tune was a bit of a miss for me. Um, I like the instrumental section more than anything else on there i don't think the i don't think it's the best chorus on the album by any means but the instrumental section is great because it kind of slows everything down for the first half of that instrumental section it's really beautiful and then the second half really picks up with some awesome guitar solos and that to me was the best part of the song and i was surprised that like you know i was kind of surprised that they would then like kind of use this for the video and everything else because i don't think it's the best track by any means in fact it might be the weakest on the album in my opinion Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, like, I don't know that I, I really think any one song is that much worse or that much better than the last. Um, I will say this probably is my least favorite of this first three, you know, full fledged tunes. Um, I think um, it's really, I think more i don't know when you look at it more through the 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 lens of the the story being told um i think that it fits that part in the story where um the 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 man is is being visited by his you know ancestor this count uh who you know had a um who basically tells him about the sp- the spirit of abigail that's in this mansion and and reveals at the end of the song that the spirit 
is inside this man's wife and that she's going to be now she's pregnant with this this demon child if you will um and that's kind of how it um reveals that part and then it kicks into the next track the seventh day of july 1777 where it actually tells the story of the count and how you know this this demon child came into existence um I, I'm trying to remember what, so so yeah, the story, the the present day story takes place in 1845. So we're rewinding back about 70 years uh, in the story, um, and basically what happens is uh, the the count has a, a wife, she has an affair, and um, bears a child that um, through the affair, and he. Um, didn't want a bastard child to inherit his fortune. So he pushed the, 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 the wife down the stairs and that basically, um, she, she ended up having a stillborn birth and that, um, the spirit of that stillborn child was, was to become Abigail. Yeah. I mean, very, very well said. And ironically enough, as the story kind of launches from here, the seventh day of July, 1777 and on is actually, for my money, the best part of the disc. I like the beginning, but I think that from this point on, every song starts to get really, really good, if not great. And this is a perfect example. Um, during the intro of this song, there's this guitar sound where I just love the tone of the guitar. Not even so much the riff, but just the sound of the guitar. And it starts off kind of slowly, and it gives you this impression that it's going to be a ballad, but it is far from that. There are no real true ballads on this album. Um, <laughs> but I love the subtlety of the keys behind the guitar, and and I really think that the album kind of just jumps from here. Um, love the chorus, another good instrumental section, and it's just really, really catchy. It didn't hit me the first couple of times, but as I got into it, this this became one of my favorite tracks on the album. And the drums here pop so nicely. I thought that the drumming, especially on the second half of this song, really cool, almost progressive in a way, like just very cool drumming. I, I thought it set the stage nicely. Yeah, I, I would say there's no power ballads on this album, only dour ballads. Yes, yes, I think that that is very, very well said. There's uh, no, no, no sap here, but uh, a lot of really, I, I was impressed with some of the um, the guitar work and the solos. I, yeah. I just thought it was, um, you know, like I think you get a little wrapped up in the story, but you kind of forget, like, oh shit, there's like there's actually some pretty high end musicianship uh, going on here with the guitars and the drums, especially so. Um, I thought this song really um, uh, showcased how good the uh, guitar work is um, on this album uh, from both Andy LaRock and uh, Michael Denner. So um, I thought that was cool. Yeah, and, and that kind of ends side A of, of the record, if you will. And then you get the four tracks on the backside, and it just starts to get even better from there. Um Side B kicks off with a song called Omens. And this song is three minutes and 56 seconds. And the track that follows it, The Possession, is another track that's under four minutes. They're kind of like the two shortest tracks on the album. But starting with Omens, this one is just a very timely track. And by that, I mean it really screams 1987. 
it's just like straight up classic heavy metal tune and I love it. I think it is great verses. They're simple. They're powerful. They have that gallop to it that we often go back to. And then you combine it with the keys, which I just wasn't expecting to hear so much on this album. I thought it was going to be basically guitar driven, but the keys play such a nice contrast to it. It's not over the top and in your face. It just provides enough of this other element that I could kind of sink my teeth into it. Um, and I just love the way that, um, in my opinion, it actually has a bit of a, a fate's warning vibe to it. Like the older John arch era fate's warning, which would be a contemporary, um, on this particular track. I just thought it was really good. I think the guitar solos and the bass play off of each other very, very well. It just hits all the right notes for me. Um, not my song of the week, but probably would have been my second choice. Nice. Yeah. I really like the, um, the little like spooky keyboard interlude that that kind of kicks off the guitar solos. It, yes, it's just kind of. I think it it kind of like breaks the um. It just breaks the song up in a, in a really cool kind of way, and and I think again like going back to the storyline, this really it's kind of a basic part of the story, but just that the couple are now starting to see these omens that uh, maybe they are a little in over their head on this situation, and that's really kind of really it about the um the story part here i think the music kind of does more of the work than the actual story itself uh on this track i think that's very well said i i agree with you and then as i said we get to the shortest song on the album the possession do you have any thoughts on this one because um i liked it too i just think it was in the same vein as as omens which is a good thing it's just uh this tight little number um, with great guitar work. I don't have that much to say about this particular song, but I did like it a lot. Yeah, uh, I, I'm i with you 100%. Um, I think there's a, uh, again, it's just uh, not to be too repetitive, but it really does um, showcase King Diamond's just ability to just hit these wild high notes, but then come back with like these deeper kind of almost growly uh, vocals at, at times as well. Um, this was kind of cool. I didn't think that, um, it had as catchy of a chorus as some of the other songs. Uh, but, um, I think that, uh, the, the instrumentation, I think kind of sets this, this kind of dark kind of feeling for the, I think where the story really starts to, to really, uh, take a, a turn where, um, the, the man's, um, wife Miriam um is basically being possessed and she's basically like now like Abigail is speaking through uh Miriam and so this is I think where it starts to get like really really creepy I mean it's it, it was has like an before, but now but it, it reminds oh, yeah. me of like the exorcism movie which quite frankly is still the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life and I can't watch it again <laughs> not, not literally <laughs> but it is frightening and and you're getting that feeling on this album, as we get to the last two tracks, um, as we build to the title track, Abigail, um, really, really creepy stuff. Um, talk to me about Abigail before I give my thoughts. Uh, I, I think I think a lot differently about this song after hearing a certain rendition of it that um, <laughs> I think some of our, our Patreon members will get to listen to in, in, in some of the bonus content at the end of this episode. So our thanks to our friend Keith for his... Uh, vocal uh, stylings um and definitely stay tuned for that if uh if you are not listening on patreon uh 
you you will absolutely be missing out. I I guarantee you that. Yeah. Um it's interesting because like before it gets into like this creepy as hell chorus, um it actually has like some really melodic uh you know kind of guitar parts and stuff and then it it almost like the melody just cuts off and gets into like this like you know abigail like it's oh it's so like it's so like dark and creepy like only king diamond and keith nickel could bring that um (laughs) could bring that that dichotomy to life um in in such a way um i was um I, I, this was a song I think that grew on me the most um, as I listened uh, to the album throughout the week. Um, and uh, let's see. So uh, getting into um, the story some more. Um, this is pretty much like Abigail's coming out party. Uh, <laughs> and the song is well said. titled. Um, and uh, so this is kind of like the conversation between the, 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 the ghost of Abigail through Miriam and the husband. And, and he's saying like, I'll get a priest and I'll, I'll have you exercised. And, and she was like, no, like this is, uh, you know, this, this is, this is the fate like that this is what's supposed to happen and then uh Miriam's voice somehow breaks through this curse and and basically tells her husband like you have to remember the stairs like you have to you have to kill me it's the only way to uh because I don't think we mentioned this but earlier in the story the count when he visits his you know his descendant he says to him like you have to do what I did you have to like basically throw your wife down a flight of stairs in order to keep the curse from happening. Really upbeat stuff. Uh, but, um, so now the, now Miriam is saying like, well, you know, he was right. And so she's basically saying like, you know, you, you, you need to sacrifice me to keep this, this curse from, from becoming, you know, a reality in the, and this, this child, this evil child from, from being born. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's kind of, I think that, kind of back and forth musically really fits also lyrically with what's going on, you know, in this conversation between this man and both his wife and the, the, the ghost that has possessed his wife. (laughs) Um, It's wild. Like it's, I, the, the whole album, I think just came to life for me after I read the lyrics and the story and really, understood what was what was happening and and um again like i mentioned before just reminded me so much of uh like american horror story i'd watched the first handful of seasons of that show and like it's just this would have fit uh that that just vibe so perfectly um is this your song of the week or is black horseman your song of the week um this is not my song of the week. Okay, then I'll make it my song of the week because it was kind of between these last two tracks and, you know, in order to keep things to be uh, a little bit, um, you know, different. Uh, I'll choose this one. I like this one a lot. Um, I'll have to decide in post if I'm going to use an actual clip from the song or just to put Keith's version. No, nah, nah, I'll save Keith's version for the, for the, for the Patreon. Uh, you can hear King's version on the regular version and then stay tuned on the Patreon episode and you'll get to hear Keith sing, uh, <laughs> sing Abigail as only Keith can. But, uh, 
let's give uh, the original version <laughs> a listen. <laughs> uh, the man who did it first, uh, King Diamond. Uh, here is uh, Abigail from the album Abigail. mentioned earlier that some of the tracks on the front end of this album had like a power metal feel to me but this one has more of a proggy feel and it actually um changes pace a lot throughout uh but it has an elegy vibe to it which to me is obviously a win always i i just thought um i heard a lot of it especially in the guitar riffs this is an eclectic tune, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. And every time you think it's going to zig, it zags and vice versa. Um, and there's even like a keyboard solo in here. It has this very gothic sound to it. Um, a cool tune. I will never, ever hear the name Abigail again and not think of this song. I mean, like this is now ingrained in me forever. But my my song of the week is the final track, The Black Horseman. But why don't you update everyone on the story, and then I'll kind of go into my reasons why I chose the final track. Sure. Um, so this kind of just ties all of it together. Uh, it starts out at the top of the stairs, and uh, plot twist, um, the husband, Jonathan, uh, gets distracted, and Miriam, whilst possessed by Abigail, ends up pushing him down the stairs and killing him. Just like a man, right? Always getting distracted at the worst possible times, I'm I sure. I know, he probably like smelled something tasty or whatever. <laughs> and, and then, Oh, are we having so, steak tonight? And then he down got the tossed. the stairs you go. <laughs> um, so now uh, <laughs> there's nobody to you know do anything about this, um, this Abigail ghost, and, and Miriam ends up giving birth to this ghost. And... Um, the childbirth ends up killing her, so she ends up dying anyway. But now that the child has made its way out of into the world, and and the oh the creepy lyric about how the last thing she saw were the the child's yellow eyes, like oh my god, what what imagery? Um, so anyway, um, what ends up happening is um the seven horsemen that were um kind of referenced in that opening track this kind of circles back to that um eulogy that they were reading at the very beginning and basically what it was was they uh you know they went back to that the mansion found the baby eating something that was so horrifying that it couldn't be told in the story uh it's um the the theory is that the baby was eating the the corpse of the of the original abigail so Maybe it was worth not mentioning as, as they didn't outright say it in the song lyrics. And, um, 
and the uh, the Black Horsemen have to basically um, nail this evil child uh, inside of its coffin uh, using seven silver spikes. Um, and that, again, circles back to the beginning of that very first track, but that is... Um, I'll actually even go back to the the quote from the funeral uh, opening track. And um, Abigail must be nailed to her coffin with seven silver spikes, one through each arm, hand and knee, and let the last of the seven be drawn through her mouth so that she may never rise and cause evil again. So that's kind of how the whole story wraps itself up. Uh, but um, unfortunately, our friends Jonathan and Miriam didn't make it through the story unfortunately so uh that's that's pretty much how the story goes it's a really interesting and really uh cool horror story um and i think that it really brings uh i don't know how you want to put it if you want to say the story brings the music to life the music brings the story to life maybe a little of both but um it all comes together for this really cool uh just this really cool just musical experience and like you know i always would think of um you know like great metal operas like streets and dead winter dead and wake of magellan by sabotage this you know they did not go into the the depths of horror that king diamond would do in 1987 so uh you know i, I thought this was a, a really cool way to end things um it, it was right up there with the title track as as one of my favorite songs on the album so i'm glad that we each chose one of these last two songs to give a listen to but um Really cool story, really cool presentation, unlike anything I have ever listened to before, and, and a really cool way to um, to dive into my first full uh, King Diamond album experience. Yeah, I mean, what a way to end the album, right? This is such an epic song. Um, I love the guitars at the beginning. It has almost a ballady feel to it, but more than anything else, it feels like a satisfying conclusion to a concept album. It reminded me of Eyes of a Stranger by Queensryche, not in terms of the style or um, the song itself, but just the way that it wraps up what's otherwise this great concept album. Um, there's like the, the verses have like this slower pace to them with these really melodic like bass lines to them. And then you kind of get on a roller coaster because you're never really sure if and when you're going to kind of kind of fall off this ride. What's weird to me is that it almost has a bit of an upbeat sound to it in spots, which is to the extent that it's a conclusion, I guess it's upbeat. But when you really listen to the lyrics and understand the story, there's nothing upbeat about this. I mean, the, the, the horsemen are coming to, you know, save the day by, torturing this ghost if you will um but really really great stuff i love the instrumental outro uh this was the song that time and time again i just look forward to more than all the rest to, to kind of wrap this thing up and, and put a bow on it so let's give it a listen and then we'll come back and kind of give our final thoughts Oh, my God. 
yeah, I mean, so anyway, Black Horseman, I think it puts a really nice bow on, on this, um, this album. But before we give our, uh, you know, our rating one to 10, are you aware that there was a sequel to this album back in 2002? King Diamond released Abigail to the Revenge. I completely forgot this album existed. I've never heard a note from it. And I feel like it would actually make for a cool episode to just kind of dive in and finish the story because apparently Abigail's back and she's better than ever, but uh, 15 <laughs> years later. I know it sounds like an e- like an 80s sequel movie. Like, yeah, like a just... Nightmare on Elm Street Part 14, right? Like or whatever it is. I had no clue. That's wild. I- I'm curious if the... Um... If the story is is as gripping as this one was, um, it, I mean, it's it's not held obviously in as high regard, but it blows away Mindcrime Part Two apparently, and by and large, has very good reviews. So I'm I'm kind of curious to hear it. I'm not gonna lie. That's yeah, that's really interesting. I I had. No idea. Um, well, you thought—I mean, you thought she was dead. You thought she got spiked, and that was the end of it. But apparently, she's she has a, might have had the last laugh after all. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, ask our our King Diamond experts what their uh, their thoughts are. I mean, this was uh, 15 years later, so um, yeah. I wonder how um, I wonder how our, our friends uh, received it. Obviously, there's. Um, a bit of a, uh, a a personnel change at this point in time, um, you know. Andy Larock and and King Diamond are still there, but um, I don't know that there's any of the uh, any other uh, of the original Abigail band members uh, at this point. Yeah, I think that um, I can't speak for his lineup now, but Andy Larock, King Diamond are 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 the only two people that were in this band. Uh, at the time of the original release that were still with him by the time they made the sequel. So for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I, I, I would be, uh, I'd be curious if nothing else. I, I want to, um, I want to see what the, the story tells, like does, does Abigail uh, uh, f- figure out how to get out again after being nailed seven times into a coffin? I mean, the, that'd be impressive if so. <laughs> um Scale of one to ten, what are you giving uh, King Diamond's Abigail? Um, you know that's a, a very good question, and um, I'm going to let you answer it first. Okay. Um, <laughs> after after those first couple of listens, I didn't know what to make of it, and I think you said it best. It wasn't that I didn't like it; I just didn't appreciate it or have certain things pop for me. But it got better and better uh, for me, and although I won't rank it up there with with the mind crimes of the world or every or anything else i can totally appreciate why people love the album for me it's a 7.5 i like the album a lot i want to go back to it i want to listen to it with the benefit of hindsight i want to let it marinate for a little bit um but the score steadily rose for me throughout the week and i just um i'm so happy that we got to do this because i don't know that i would have ever gone back and done a deep dive like this but for the request. So um, excellent choice. Thank you to both Patreon members for choosing it. Um, and and definitely opened my eyes to, to not only this album, but the fact that uh, the King was doing concept albums like this uh, time and time again. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to give it just slightly under you. I'm going to give it a 7.375. I, I, I just wanted to take a look and just see what I was ranking some other things recently. Um, because 
I think I like this just a smidge above the the T-Ride and the Winger albums that we listened to recently, and I, I rank those slightly lower, um, but then not quite as high as, say, Elegy. Um, so I feel like this was... Sometimes I think the I need to just get a little... Uh, just see, like, what other things... Like, what I was thinking on other things to kind of center where my score is going to land. Um but I feel pretty good about that. And, and again, it's just another one of those things where I unfortunately just have no nostalgia for. I imagine like 30 years of listening to this album, it's probably it's probably a 10 for a lot of people, I would I would think, or, or if not close to it. But um, I enjoyed it a lot. I wasn't expecting to like it that much because much like our, uh, fr- our friend Justin, you know, I, I was a little skeptical about were, would the lyrics be too... Um, too like like off the wall to really appreciate everything else that's going on, or too distracting. I guess would be the uh, best way for to to describe it. But I didn't think that it was honestly. I thought it really fit. Uh, everything just fit nicely into this nice little package. So um, yeah, I was uh I, I was impressed by this, and I'm glad that it was requested by our, our two friends. And I'm sure there's plenty of other people that are are happy to hear us talk about it. Very well said. Very well said. Um, I just want to give a couple of news updates before we announce your album for next week. Um, Aerosmith has postponed the rest of their U.S. tour because Steven Tyler's vocals uh, are are damaged and and more serious, quote, than he initially thought. Um, That is a shame. I know a lot of people were looking forward to seeing this tour despite the prohibitively expensive tickets. Myself included, I, I I was toying with the idea of, of going to one of these shows, um, but it's a shame that he uh, just may have to um, go on pause. And for how long, we do not know. But when something like this happens, sometimes you never kind of get back out there, and it's you're, I'm a little 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 sad in that regard. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, he seemed to do okay with the whole like Las Vegas residency that Aerosmith had done in the past, where they were just playing consistently in one you know, one location, uh, maybe they need to reschedule the tour and kind of space out the shows a little bit more. But, um, you know, these guys aren't uh, young men. And so I'm sure it's got to be uh, got to be pretty tough. And I know Steven Tyler probably doesn't want to put in a half-assed performance. So um, he maybe he just did a little too much and strained himself, uh, you know, doing more than he can handle i remember michael kisk had some issues when he first started doing the tour with halloween and it could just be um you know the his voice was rested for too long and then they just you you all of a sudden you just get out there and you're you're older and you just start you just blow blow it out um i don't know but uh you know i i hope that they end up back out there again and it doesn't end up being like van halen's last tour where they postpone the tour and then there was never a reschedule and then Eddie died and then there was no Van Halen. So, right. Right. um, No, very, very well said. Um, Time will tell, time will tell and time will tell next September as we have another announcement for prog power in that victorious, the German power metal band um, has been announced on day one. What are your thoughts on this? I'm curious. Um, you're familiar with them enough, I would think that you have an opinion. I just don't know what that opinion is. 
Yeah, um, I think I would have been more excited had it not been for their most recent album, which I think they just overdid themselves on the cheeseball, like, power metal lyrics. Which says um, something, because their prior album was called Space Ninjas from Hell, and as cheesy as that was, it was actually a really good album. But then they just, instead of, like, keeping it there or toning it down a little, they actually ramped it up to about 15 on the 1 to 10 scale. I, I think it has the potential to be a really fun live set because their songs are, have tons of energy and um, it's fun stuff. It's just, I don't, I just thought the last album was just in general was a little bit disappointing to me. I didn't like it as much as um, previous entries, but um, definitely a, a cool band. I don't know that there would have been um, a way, a, a way to see them in the U S uh, without a prog power invite. So we'll see if they attach a, a tour onto this or if it's just going to be a one-off. But I, I think it's already um, – it's it's a nice addition to an already strong lineup. And we still have, um, uh, you know, two more bands left to be uh, revealed. Um, but I think, you know, Angra and Circus Maximus kind of leading the charge on Wednesday night, I think it really uh, – as far as ticket sales go, I don't know that um, – it's going to matter too much about who the other two bands are, because I think those top two bands are going to be the ones that kind of move the sales, uh, so to speak. I, I'll, I certainly wouldn't want to miss, uh, especially Circus Maximus, one of my all-time favorite live bands. Um, I just think that there's few bands I've seen that are as consistently excellent in a live setting. Um, so uh, my ticket's already is already sold uh, based on just them alone. Uh, Anger is just Anger and Victorious are just gravy and, and whoever else ends up getting announced again would just be a bonus for me. Um, so yeah, a cool, a cool, uh, a cool uh, uh, addition to an already very strong four day lineup thus far. Well said. Wouldn't change a word of that. So uh, I will just say, I agree and ask you, what am I listening to next week? So I I kind of pivoted. Um, my original plan was to discuss a Fate's Warning album, as we've done every year uh, since we started the podcast. We we Our very first episode was uh, Inside Out. We did Inside Out. I think I've chosen a Fate's Warning album every uh, October of the podcast existence we've done um inside out parallels uh pleasant shade of gray um and i was i i was thinking about doing another one and i listened to i believe perfect symmetry and it didn't really grab me as much as i kind of wanted it to and i felt like it would have been it would have felt a little bit forced and then we had our bonus episode discussion for the patreon about you know, bucket list bands. And, and towards the end of the episode, it kind of dawned on me that like, I hadn't brought up one of my favorite uh, bands that happens to be a, a video game tribute slash cover band uh, called Descendants. Des- and I'm, I'm, I never say their name correctly. Descendants <laughs> of Erdrick, uh, named after the uh, dragon warrior slash dragon quest character Erdrick. Um, they are, uh, ba- they're a band from Texas that, um, has been around since uh, the late uh, aughts, I guess. Uh, the, the album we're going to talk about is, is called um, 
Thanks a Million. It came out in 2012, and um, it's a blend of uh, you know metal, but with um, you know done in video game cover style. Um, and, and if you're familiar with um, uh, Power Glove, it's not terribly different from from that. Um, but uh, it's a little bit we off the beaten path. I think our gamer fans are going to really enjoy this a lot. I think uh, our non-gamer fans are going to have to uh, come in with a little bit of an open mind. But um, th- this is these these guys are one of my favorite just bands in general. I, I think that of all of the the great uh, game cover bands I've listened to over the years, and I've listened to a lot of them, uh, th- they're <laughs> probably my, my favorites. Um, so I just thought this would be kind of fun just to change it up a little bit. Um, I, I think it'll definitely be a little bit more... Uh, it, it'll, it'll, I think, lead to more uh, discussion as, as far as talking about the... Um, the games themselves that uh, the the band chose to, to do on this album, um, it was I, I kinda, it was kind of a tough choice because the band has three uh, full length albums, um, but I think this one is, is potentially my my favorite one. Uh, their most recent one, Advent, um, came out in 2014, and the entire album is like adventure and RPG songs and. This one, I feel like, has a little bit more of everything. Um, you have, uh, you know, some Zelda, some Ninja Gaiden, some Mega Man, Sonic, Metroid, Double Dragon, F-Zero, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy IV. So, like, a nice mix, I think, of, of, of at least game genres. Um, I'll be honest, uh, some of my very favorite songs they've ever done is from their first full-length album, Downright Heavy. Uh, but... Um, I'll mention probably those songs when we talk about it, but I'm really excited to talk about this band, and I, I'm pretty sure I have you to thank for um, bringing them to my attention uh, back, way back when. Um, I think you had sent me or or like told me about one or two songs, and I immediately downloaded their entire <laughs> dis- discography and like could not get enough. Uh, Sometimes the other day when listened- you hit the right note, you just go. Yeah, uh, I listen all to in. the. I listened to every single song that they ever released the other day, and it just—I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do this. This is, I think, going to be more fun than another uh, Fate's Warning discussion. I'm sure we'll go, we'll circle back to Fate's Warning at some point." But um, well, October we talk, has, uh, October has five Mondays, so there's no reason why we couldn't get to it later in the month. Yeah, this, true. Um, this this it, is going to be a different conversation, but um, certainly going to focus on the music. But there's a lot of other uh, meat on the bone as well that we can uh, kind of touch upon. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, we also we talked about my three like you know favorite Fate's Warning albums too. So uh, you know, uh, it's I feel good uh, about this choice. I, I just think. Um, I don't know. I just felt right. So, uh, and then, and then the following week we have something a special plan, but we'll, uh, we'll reveal that, um, next week. Uh, but, um, we have a very special episode planned, uh, for that. Um, it's going to be, it's gonna be a wild and wacky October. And, and, uh, it started out with, uh, with the, um, the murder of a uh, of a uh, a stillborn child. Um, so it's <laughs> so only going to get weirder. So that should yeah, tell you something. Trust me when I tell you. Uh, it, it's it, when if you really think about uh, these first three weeks of episodes, and then whatever Justin has 
planned for us after that. And then I have something else in mind. I, it, it could go down as one of our weirdest uh, or at least most eccentric months of, of selections. Um, but uh, yeah, now I feel go. like I have to pick something off the beaten path just to keep it up for the whole month. Um, I can't, I can't go to a traditional album. I have to think outside the box, but that's okay. Um, I, I will do that. It's going to be a fun month here at the metal exchange. Thank you all for your uh, support. We really appreciate it. If you are listening for the first time or if you have been on the fence, consider joining the Patreon. It really does help support the show. Uh, And if not, tell a friend. Uh, Thanks for listening. We sincerely appreciate it. Lots of good stuff coming down the pipeline. So um, it's going to be a fun month, and that will take us into uh, the end of the year, which is rapidly approaching. Oh yeah, I it's I, this is the part where I'm starting to get nervous that I have to come up with another list, which I you were doing so well. I know I, I enjoy um I enjoy talking about those lists. Like it's probably my favorite episode we do every year. But constructing the list is a is a whole another story. It's just uh it it, it becomes very um, stressful uh, in a good way, I guess. But just yes. uh, trying to trying to put things in order that like you know you're comparing stuff you listened to last week versus something you listened to in February. It's it's not always the easiest thing. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm usually pretty happy with how my lists uh, end up. It's just uh, I, I rack my brain uh, in the process of, of constructing it. So, but um, yeah, like like we said, we'll circle back just like uh, Abigail did. Um, <laughs> there's still a lot of there's still a lot of heavy hitting albums yet to be released, and and a handful that have been released that I haven't even listened to yet. So um, the the list can change a lot uh, in the next three months. So we uh, we shall see how it goes. But uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, how it is? I, I, you, you've been pretty clear about what your album of the year is. I'm, I'm very curious to see if that can be unseated at all in the last three months. Um, I will take some gi- doing though. I will give everything ample time, and uh, I will listen to whatever comes out, and I, I look forward to it. But um, the the high watermark has been set in my eyes, and I don't know if anything is going to beat it. But if it does. If it does, I can tell you that whatever album does knock off the No Spin album is going to be a damn good album because that is a phenomenal, phenomenal release. That um, I'm just finally happy that the uh, non-disclosure agreement that I signed six months ago is now off the table <laughs> and I can talk about it. So um, I, I know we we sounded like cryptic assholes for like three months. <laughs> hey, listen, I was it was it was all worth it in the end. I'm going to get to see them live, so all is well. But uh, enjoy the week, my friend. I look forward to talking about some descendants of Erdrich and do something a little bit different. And uh, oh, you don't have I'm, to you don't have to brag and 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 be able to pronounce it on the first try. Jeez, uh, listen, with with knowing what we have in store the week after, it's going to get wild. So uh, let me get it out now the, the first time. I uh, I will talk to you soon, my friend. Take it easy. I I knew it was only a matter of time before we did a justice album, but it's probably not the one people are expecting. Well said. Very well said. There's a little nugget for you. Uh, Enjoy the week, my friend. I will talk to you soon. Take care, buddy.